This athlete story is about story selling and about a startup athlete who knew that the only way to raise funds for his Olympic dream would be through inviting people into the adventure, sharing the experiences of this whole journey rather than the aspiration of maybe one day standing on top of the podium. So our whole commercial process now is built upon story selling. Instead of uh, like I did when I was a sales rep, so now are you going to help, right? We lay out uh, opportunities for as many people as possible and they must do the shark bite themselves. I want them to buy instead of us to sell. Welcome to the Athlete Story Podcast, your chance to tap into wisdom from athletes and experts in world-class sports. You are about to be taken into a chat about sports careers and related issues between an awesome guest and your listening host, the sports insider, repurposed Olympic mogul skier, and former freeride world tour athlete, Anya Bobia. Before getting started with the show, I just wanted to say that if you haven't already done so, I hope I can count on you to give Athlete Story Podcast a quick supportive review in iTunes or Stitcher or Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to it. Now the home base for the podcast is on athletestory.com forward slash podcast. This is where I post all the episodes with the show notes and the relevant links and video version. So if you want to share this podcast with anyone, the easiest is probably to just share athletestory.com forward slash podcast. I'd also love to connect with you directly and to get in touch with me, you can do that on athletestory.com or you can connect with me, Anja Bolbia, on social media or on Skype and that's A-N-J-A and B-O-L-B-J-E-R-G. Finally, you can also find Athlete Story Podcast on Instagram and IGTV or simply Athlete Story on Facebook or Pinterest. So now that that's out of the way, I look forward to connecting and let's get started with the show. So let me take you back to about one year before the Salt Lake City Olympics in 2002. I was at a seminar for athletes in Denmark who had a chance of qualifying for those Olympics. And this is where I met Tom Johansson. He was speaking to the athletes from the stage, which was a place that he was clearly familiar with. And he told us all about his very first experience in the bobsled, actually the very first week of training on the real bobsled course. He did it in such a vivid way that we could feel all the bruises and the humiliations that a bobsled track can give a new bob pilot and his crew. Oh, you could feel the energy being sucked out of you for each crash and the courage needed to get back up again. And then he told us that sharing this experience in the form of public speaking like he was doing right there was how he had managed to finance the Olympic quest that they were on and that we could all do the same. I was amazed. I thought it was so cool the way that he could share his story and inspire other people like I had just been inspired. He was telling me I could be inviting people into a very similar story about my beginnings and make money. And I wanted that to be me one day. Anyways, this is not about me, but Tom's point about our stories, having value to other people clearly stayed with me. And I thought it might inspire you too. So stay tuned. This is Athlete Story and I'm your host and coach Anya Bolpia. If you are a world-class athlete or simply into sports, I suggest you subscribe to my show right now because I'll be posting lots more athlete stories and chats with world-class sports insiders and experts. Tommy Hansen had started a bobsled team in Denmark with the goal of going to the Salt Lake City Olympics in 2002. And there are no bobsled facilities to be found anywhere in Denmark. And I actually don't even think we have enough vertical drop to make one anywhere. Anyways, Tommy Hansen's 
cool running inspired story does not just show how your athlete story can add value to others. It also shows how you yourself can gain valuable insight and self-awareness about who you are and what you're meant to do and how athletes in the so-called smaller sports have to develop real entrepreneurial skills in order to create and sustain their sports career. And I'm not just talking about resilience and focus and some of those other highly appraised skills that athletes need to develop. I'm talking about such skills as team building, creating the whole structure, project management, budgeting, fundraising, the vision aspect, and storytelling or story selling as Tom would say. There's so much to take away from this episode and I am delighted to introduce you to a startup athlete from before startup was even a word. So let's welcome Bob Tom Johansson, my friends. Hi Tom, welcome to the show Athlete Story. I am so happy you could join us today. Likewise, I have looking, been looking forward for this for, since we made the agreement on that I should be on the show. Good to hear, good to hear. Well, you're kind of one of my heroes in when it comes to making sport that is basically non-existent in a country and making a, like a whole team and a structure around this one project when you started back in the late 90s, I think. Exactly. Making a bobsled team for, for Denmark. I suppose it was maybe inspired by that movie uh, back then with the Jamaican team. Is that correct? It was uh, in 1995, one year, uh, one year after the uh, Lillehammer Olympic Games, uh, when Walt Disney released the, mo the movie picture um, uh, called Cool Runnings. I, was, uh, I saw the film, I saw the movie in a, in a German cinema. And I, say, I, I remember exactly that uh, all the, the audience, were, all, the, all the other ones in the audience, they were laughing and thought it was a hilarious, good entertainment. But I was somehow in very, very mixed emotions because I had this funny feeling that I would, I would so much have loved that it would be my story, that I, that I found the back door to the Olympics instead of that it was the, the Jamaicans. So uh, months later, then I, when I saw that movie in the German cinema, I decided, I said, okay, it could be so awesome to make a, a Danish team. But at that time, I had just uh, just founded my own company as a business entrepreneur. I was 25 for the first time in my life. And I had this idea that I'd now I'm going to conquer the world as a businessman, as a sales. I was uh, I had um, the agency on a, on a big fashion company. And I thought, wow, this is my way. And first three years after, when I had to realize that I couldn't get into the market with the, with this agency, I said, okay, what is what is it I'm really dreaming of if I should restart again? And then this idea of uh, founding a Danish uh, national bobsleigh team came up at the age of 28. So we must not forget it was, um, athletically speaking, it was 5 to 12 uh, to start up such a concept, of course. Okay. But so you're not coming straight from the couch and wanting – to make an Olympic bobsled team, right? You were doing track and field, I think? Yes, I did track and field from when I was 12 till I was uh, 20, 21. And I, together with my good friends, I also managed to to uh, have won, won Danish championships in four by 100 meters. And I, we were very, very proud of that. So I had, I have had, I had had some very good success Together with 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 the team, uh, with with great people, 
But at the time I got the idea of founding the Danish national bobsleigh team, I had actually not been an athlete for six and a half years only. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it is. It is a little bit. It 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 is a little bit. It's strange, and and it says a lot about me as a person who who comes up after six and a half years of break and only doing a little weight training and some running and stuff like that, who comes up with the idea of uh, uh, establishing a Danish national bobsleigh team. It's typical me. Okay, so now I know you a little bit. And um, yeah. I know you're a great storyteller. And is, is, this, is this story about this, is that what's fascinating? Is, is, is that what you want to be part of? Or, or did you, you know, have athletic ambitions? No, yeah, and then that, that's that for sure. I I am very ambitious guy. People tend to say, uh, not necessarily that I have, I have that feeling myself, but I I, I people um, perceive me as being very ambitious. So when I when I found it, when I got the initial idea about making a Danish national bobsleigh team, immediately it was to be as good as possible. So there there was no question in my mind that that already in the first month, first two months, that I wanted to do it in the absolutely right way. I wanted I wanted to know with myself and, and my wife, uh, my girlfriend at that time, that we are not doing this as a, as a new, funny, cool running story, being le- uh, last or, or almost last in the field. That was never our idea. Immediately, the idea was, how do we do this as professional as good as it's possible, as it is possible. Uh, having said that, my research was not as good as I would have uh, wished today that it was. So it took a little, it took three or four years, the first three or four years of the eight years concept where, where we did it to really understand the sport by heart and really understand what it takes to become very good. And and so the the second part of of my journey, the last four year, uh, was an or the last five year was an accelerated story, and the first three years, uh, what how is it? The performance level we we managed to get uh, to get after three years should actually have been taking only one year. But uh, that's how yeah. that's how entrepreneurship actually works. Well, yeah, so, so, it, it doesn't yeah. grow linearly; it grows exponentially, no, right? Exactly. <laughs> and when you ask me why did I would I do it, I had this very, very, very deep understanding of that all my qualities as an athlete, as a as a leader, as a business entrepreneur, that this this quest, if I can put it that way, would would take all of my qualities, not not just some of them, the qualities, but all of them. And, and I think that is the, the biggest gift I've had in my life, that there is, um, there is a situation where I need to bring everything of me into to, to have success. Yeah, that's, that's kind of um, the, the advantage or the gift of, of do, doing a sport from, the, from, the, yes. from scratch where there's no structure exactly. or anything. You have, really have to use everything. To, to make it work. Yeah. So yeah. so let's let's go back to where you say okay I'm going to start this project. How yeah. did you find the other three guys? Yeah, it's funny. The the official story is that I took contact to seven of my old uh, clubmates from uh, from the track and field club I was in. That's not totally correct. Actually, the first one I asked if he wanted to be a part of the concept was my brother-in-law Thomas. And I it was the 6th of uh, of March uh, 2000 and uh, 1998 I said Thomas 
uh, let's go to the Olympics 2002 in Salt Lake City. And uh, he said, oh, I think it's quite quite uh, good time and it's too much time to arrange a, a journey as tourists for the Olympics. I said, no, 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 you misunderstand me. We are not going as tourists. We are supposed to go there as athletes. And then he, he thought about the IIS and he asked in, in which sport I said, in bobsleigh. And it took him five seconds said, okay, I'm on a team, uh, we can go there. He didn't know anything about bobsleigh either, so it was easy for him. Then um, it took me further, let's say three weeks after seven, seven different persons had signed up uh, for the concept. Um, nobody really knowing anything about it, but they had this feeling that, okay, Tom knows something about it. And if he does not know something about it, the coach he had actually found in Germany for us, he would know enough about it. And and let's say that's half true, or what, however you would say that in English, because I, I knew a lot about the development projects. I knew a lot about storytelling and selling and stuff like that. But of course, I knew not so much about the sport. So I made mistakes in the beginning of the concept, of course. Right. And then you, you, you were fluent in German, I think, which would help because that's where you went to train. And stuff. Yeah. 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 I'm pretty, I'm pretty fluent in German. Not only I speak the language, but my, my general knowledge on society, on culture, on mentality is at a very high level. So I'm, I can navigate very well in the German society. And that is a huge uh, huge uh, advantage when it comes to bobsleigh because uh, in history uh, bobsleigh uh, the, the most uh, successful nation in the world and still is is, is Germany so when you when you need when you want to be good at bobsleighing it's very a very good idea that you're good in German and understanding German mentality Okay, so can we kill a myth because the the movie is not very nice to the Germans no the Cool Runnings no. movie. So were they actually being helpful in in this project? And without without the help of first individuals, German individuals, and later on also the German Federation, we signed a cooperation agreement, which we have actually now for the future revitalized. Without German help, there would not be a Danish cool running story. It it would have died within let's say within five or six months, and that's one of the beauties of of that sport that all the big nations, they know that they have at least a moral obligation to help the small nations to be able to compete at an acceptable level, else the sport will die. Yeah. And, and, and this way of being, uh, as a very small co country in the, in the world, um, being adopted by one of the great nations is such a, a beautiful dynamic in this sport. And... Uh, I think you know something similar from your own uh, athlete career that if you don't get the help of the big, big, uh, big uh, organizations, we cannot survive uh, as Danish winter sports uh, athletes. That's impossible. Exactly. Yeah. And on the other hand, I know then that uh, then in Denmark, of course, we also have a moral obligation to help smaller nations when it comes to badminton, when it comes to to handball, sailing, and stuff like that. And I know that the Danish big federations where the Danish are the best, they do the same. They do development programs also for, for those countries who need to develop. So it's, it's, it, it all gets together. We are, we are all part of one great idea of, um, of building a, a global sports, which can, uh, can kill, uh, sorry, pardon my friends, kill conflicts and, and, and bring peace uh, forward. Uh, 
and I think that the, I think that sport is just the best way to 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 meet with people and to forget about prejudice and conflicts and stuff like that. Then you you have put your team together more or less, let's say, and um, now you got to finance it, right? Because the bobsled is yeah. expensive, as I yeah. The the story was that when our German coach said uh, you need you need a hundred thousand. I said a hundred thousand. Okay, I think we can we can even at that time we could even a hundred thousand euros. No, nah, yeah, that was the question. Because I because I said uh, I said a hundred thousand, uh, and it was at that time it was the Deutschmarks, so that would be around uh, fifty thousand euros, and I thought he meant for four years, but actually he meant per year. So when he gave me that information, how much it would cost per year. 50,000 euros, I immediately understood, okay, this will change my life. Because if you, even if you want to find 50,000 euros in sponsorships, you need to do this professionally. And nobody will give an um, amateur organization uh, sponsorships for 50,000. I knew it in that second. He said, he's, when I understood that it was 50,000 per year, honestly, it's not 50,000 per year, it's more 150,000 or even 250,000 per year. But that's what we, that's the knowledge we gained over the years then. So today there is no question, when you want to build a bobsleigh team, you have to be as ambitious as if you want to be uh, make a Tour de France uh, cycling team. There is no difference to that. Only the numbers are different, but, but in organizational-wise and branding-wise and recruitment-wise and talent scouting-wise, it's exactly as doing a, a, a Tour de France uh, cycling team. I'm sure of that. So here you did, um, because we were going for those same Olympics in, in 2002, and I remember we had a seminar before uh, up to the Olympics, and yeah. you were on there telling your story and telling yeah. us, the other athletes, how we could fundraise because you you'd been pretty successful with with, yeah. with raising this money, yeah. and this was all with storytelling, and that was like my first wow. This is this is excellent, and yeah. um, like can can I just ask you to tell that story again with when you go down the the and you come to the end and you kind of go back up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's of of course. The, the the primary storytelling in the first four years was was all about was built on let's say one one major experience with the bobsleigh track and that was the first week ever doing bobsleigh so the first four years was built around meeting something you would never having expected uh, totally Waterloo in one's life because um, coming to a bobsleigh track. I don't know. I don't know what I what we expected, but the way to the way to learn to drive bobsleigh is that you are put in a bobsleigh and you are you are pushed out in the track and then you survive as good as you can. So it's it's almost like being thrown out of a plane with the with the parachute for the first time in your life and then you you have to intuitively you have to pull the pull the parachute. And that's the way you learn bobsleigh at that time at least. Mm -hmm. So I never forget. We, it is. It's. It's at the length of uh, approximately 85% of the total length of the bobsleigh track called Darmenstadt. There we were pushed in in a two-man two-man bobsleigh. I was uh, in the front and my friend Lars was in the back, and we were pushed in the, in this ice channel in in uh, in Innsbruck. And um, in front of us there were from curve number three and then to curve number 14, and. 
you cannot explain how it is to drive a bobsleigh. So it was just it was just holding the the steering handles and then and and then make actually make the best out of it. And we did that uh, until curve number fourteen. And then in curve number fourteen, I crashed and, and on a bobsleigh track uh, out of curve out of the last curve the um, up up to the to the finish line. It's all bobsleigh tracks are built uh, going upwards. And when you then stop on something which is icy going upwards and nobody uh, holds you, what happens then? You go backwards the exactly same way. And we we went backwards almost to curve number 10 again, and then front to 14, back to 13, 12, and so we, we had to crawl out of the uh, of the, the bobsleigh at, uh, in curve number 12. And that was the, my first experience when the bobsleigh said, holy shit, man. It was a crash and burn immediate experience. Okay. And on the first day, you can easily take one or two crashes. But um, for every crash you do in a bobsleigh, energy is dragged out of your body. So when three days in a row you have been involved in crashes, there is suddenly not much energy left in your tank, so to speak. So after five days where I almost think I had crashes every day on the Friday, I was so, I, I, I was so tired and I, was so, I, I simply couldn't anymore that I had to say, okay, for me it was to here this time and, and then I hope that I can, I, I can be in a bobsleigh again. And uh, then after two months or something, now one and a half months later, I said, okay, now it's time for me to go bobsleigh again because this disaster we, we experienced the first time, that cannot happen twice. But it did. <laughs> so, so my first season as a bobsleigh pilot was one disaster, one horror after the other. And, and uh, in, the, in the third or fourth week I was doing bobsleigh, uh, I, I had a concussion because my head is, is, is stuck, is, um, hit the, the wall, the ice wall, and uh, and I fainted, and uh, and I, I don't remember anything for three or four hours, just running near the track and said, "What happened? Now ah, you crashed in curve 13. Yeah, okay, I crashed in, but what happened? And who was in the back and and stuff like that? So I went to the hospital. And after five days in hospital, I remember I went back to the track and I looked at the track and in, best, in the best of Arnold Schwarzenegger style, I said, I will be back. <laughs> and I remember that as, as it was yesterday, I'll be back. But the problem when, when then the next season came, I simply could not come back. I was not, my body was not able to cope with the idea of me being in the front of a bobsleigh again. So I decided to become a brakeman right. and to assist the others then and, and be on the back. And already after two runs in the back, I could feel that this was not the right situation. Yeah. And there is, so, there is such a strong correlation between mentality and, 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 and personality and where you sit in a, sled, in a, in a bobsled that I, even it was I, w I wanted to go in the front again or I would have to stop it. And that I did not know. I did not know that about that correlation. And our mm -hmm. coach did not tell us about that, 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 uh, that if, if, if you want to be in front of a bobsleigh, if you want to be a pilot, it, it says a lot about who you are uh, when it comes to driving development processes uh, and, and stuff like that. But well, of course I would it, think it says a lot about the guy, the brakeman as well, because I, I've done the I'll be back 
quite a few times too. Yes, yes, yes. Very yes, beat yeah. up and very deprived of energy yeah. too. Yeah. But I didn't have anyone along. <laughs> I didn't no, have the no, responsibility no. for a yeah. guy behind me. So no. he's he's and uh, that, you're and still that, on good terms. <laughs> And that is, of course, that is, of course, uh, that is a big part of uh, if if you're not if you're not motivated by that responsibility that people um, either have trust in you or choose to have trust in you. Yeah. If you're not if if you don't love that trust, which is brought towards you, then you cannot be a, a, a great pilot. And, and it also brings it it brings really strong relationships with with each other when when you when you when you're traveling at least one two three bobsleigh seasons so the ones who have been behind me in a bobsleigh apart from the tourist i remember everybody having been behind me in a bobsleigh and i have very very strong emotions for everybody who have sat there and 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 that will always be a part of me if i can put it that way right right yeah so, yeah. um, okay, this is jumping a little maybe, but do you miss that feeling today? Very much. Uh -huh. And I have, since I stopped my career in 2006, I have looked for that. I have looked to replicate that feeling in, in normal business life at least once again, but I've never succeeded. Uh -huh. it's, it's, it, it's not even, honestly, it's not even close to it. So the, 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 the strong bonds I have with my, with my former crew, uh, I have not, I have tried, I have really tried hard to get something similar up in, in, in a business life, but it's not even close. And I know that our other pilots, they, uh, they tell exactly the same. Yeah, I knew with my crew, they would go through, how do you call it, fire and ice to, to, to help me, and I had exactly the same. And if you don't have it that way, when you're not paid to do bobsleigh, at least not much for, to do it, uh, then you don't do it. But, but I would do anything for my, uh, for my crew, and I knew that they would do anything for me. And that's a very, 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 very seldom feeling. Yeah. And I, I've spoken to different people who have talked about their... Um, uh, similar situations where they've had it and and uh, and people from elite squads in uh, in army and navy and stuff like that they when they speak about their assignments and their process it's it's uh, it's close to the feelings i have had with uh, with being together with my crew who would have thought <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah. Cool. cool yeah and also when i today when i doing i doing uh, some people call it motivational speaks. I just call it speaks, and then sometimes there comes motivation out of it. Of course, when I when I I I, I choose very much to speak to people, uh, kids which not have it so easy in life, mm -hmm. which are which have kids who are facing uh, that life is a little bit of struggle, mm -hmm. and uh, and and they get heavily inspired with this strong companionship which there is in bobsleigh. And there was a young girl saying to me when I said, I asked the audience, how do you think that you feel as a pilot when you just crashed and you crashed with 125 kilometers an hour with 630 kilo, 400 kilo load people and 230 kilo sled and you go in a crash 125 kilometers an hour down for one kilometer. How do you think you feel like a pilot? And there was totally silence in the audience. And, and this young girl was standing and said, not great. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, not great. But apart from not great, 
she said, haven't you let them down? Yeah. So, so I can see that, that, that a story today, which is back to 1998 and 2006, which in, in a normal context has no value anymore, Mm -hmm. no commercial value, no value at all. Suddenly, because I'm re-entering the sport now, brings up a lot of emotions which I can share with young kids and other people who are facing challenges, and they respond to my experiences from 12, 14, 16 years ago. I would never have, I would never have thought that that was the the true value of our concept because we thought the true value value was to go to the Olympics, but we have gained something which is far more important uh, than going to the Olympics. We have gained lifelong friendships and a story which can inspire people in desperate need of inspiration. So I can live with the fact much better today that I have not, that I, even though I was qualified twice for the Olympics, that we were not sent from Denmark um, because we were only 20th in the world instead of number 10, we were not sent. But I can live much better with that today because I have seen the, the true value even 14 years after in society. Well, I'm so glad to say this because that's kind of my whole point with Athlete Story. The whole mission is to help athletes realize that the real value in their story is the value that that story can have to other people. It's it. It's nice if you have a gold medal you can show and you can put gold medalists in your title. But the real value, both to yourself and to other people, lie in your story. That's that's my firm belief. And I think your example just confirms that. And sometimes we don't even know what story it is. Like you, you're saying yourself, you, you didn't expect that to be a real point. No. Yeah. <laughs> so. Exactly. And uh, I was... Uh, Speaking with a sport official half a year ago, something a very high-ranked uh, sport official, and 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 I said my own perception of how sport is developing is that some stories, being them number ten, twelve, uh, twenty, or thirty in the world, ranked in the world, can have a higher impact and be more important to society as some medals. And I said. And, uh, Olympic medals, and I said, I know what, this is uh, this is easy for me to say. I don't have an Olympic medal myself, and I didn't even go to the Olympics. But it's my it's my really deep belief that that it's not that that a, a medal itself is not necessarily of value. It's what you do with your medal. It's the voice. It's how you raise your voice when you gain that medal, and and. Of course, I cannot quote him 100% correctly, but he said, I think time has come to an an extreme shift in elite sport that it will in future be more about what you do with what you have experienced more than the value itself. Of course, in some countries where where the governments are investing a lot of money in gaining Olympic medals, it will still be uh, earning medals who would be the, the main storytelling. But there are so many of the two, approximately 200 different nations competing in the Olympics where it's not about the medals. Yeah, but it, well, the medal is is a nice uh, measurement for one success criteria, right? Yeah. Or criterium, I guess it's called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but what what is success to you like? Yeah, to me, success is. Um, 
is uh, yeah, it's a very good question. To me, success is about uh, setting realistic goals, and and some people even need a little bit more than realistic goals. Let's say a little bit not so realistic goals to to be able to to get the the utmost out of oneself. But then to live a dedicated and professional life towards the goal or, or aiming for the goal is is success. So it's more from to, the way I look at life today is more that it, that the importance of life is to live one's dream more than just live a life which you can which you can live if you understand what I mean. So. So to me, it's more, it's much more about the nourishing dreams, the really important dreams in one's life. It's just instead of just living the life which others have laid out for you, mm-hmm. if I can, or, or or you are expected to live. Would alignment be a word that kind of describes that being aligned with who you are and what your dreams are and what what. Yeah, uh, or you could say harmony, but alignment is a very, very, very good, uh, very good word. There needs to be an alignment uh, between who you, who, who your inner voice tells you that you are, and and what you do. Uh, some young people are brought up and and having this inner voice that actually I'm born for something special. I'm not supposed to do the things all the other ones are doing. You can imagine who I'm speaking about now. Mm. And and I have always have that inner voice that I am not as all the other ones. So I am here in life to do something which is special. And I still have that inner voice in, inside myself. So when 99% of people is going in one direction, you can be sure that I'm the 1% going in another direction. Um, and and, and I, have, I have, at least for the last 10 years, I have tried to fight this, yeah, and not to accept it, but it, 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 it doesn't work for me. I have to follow my inner voice that I'm here to disrupt things, I'm here to do things differently, and I'm here to use creativity and a certain mindset to help people looking at, at uh, different pros- processes and different projects from other angles of life. And as I hear it from your story, also kind of to guide people or take them along with you on on this journey as as you did as a Bob pilot <laughs> with you exactly let's say 85% of my time now in life i i'm asked for help to uh, transform one situation into another one uh, most oftenly it's about uh, bringing people who have no job into a into a in, into a job situation again and all my way of thinking which has for the last 10 years given me a lot of bruises and a lot of uh, not so funny situations let me put it that way challenging situations i can now see okay now i understand what my qualities why i have these qualities because i can help people looking at opportunities in a different way than they are capable of themselves. So, so so to speak, now I have found my frequency. I have found out that the qualities who made me establish a Danish national bobsleigh team, I now have found another channel on how to use these qualities to help uh, people. Right. Because you, you've also tried feeling extremely out of alignment, I guess. Uh... I, can t- I have been so so sick of not being aligned in in alignment i've literally uh, speaking right literally literally speaking i, w- I had a stress collapse uh, end of uh, 2013 
because I I was fighting the uh, how do you call it inevitable. Uh, I was fighting facts. I could not uh, find the accept that that it, uh, this I was doing something which I was not supposed to do, and I continued in that, and it made me extremely sick. And for a long time, it actually looked that I would never be able to to rejoin uh, the working force and contribute in working life again. So I had almost two and a half years where I was just fighting. Uh, to get back on my feet. So I, of course, I value life differently now, having looked into a, a scenario for the future where it looks that I could never be able to do what uh, what I was supposed to do. And and now that I I, I found back in life, is uh, I'm so grateful for that. Uh, and I now even with even more motivation, I want to have the best out of it. So so what do you think? drove you so far in the wrong direction, so to speak, <laughs> so yeah, that you got it, sick it, and hospitalized? It, it, and... It's pretty easy. It's, it's pretty easy. It was because I was looking more, um, there was something I was good at. There was something I was extremely good at. And I, I had this inner voice telling me, when you are extremely good at something, you have an obligation also to do that job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And today I know, no, the only obligation you have is to make yourself happy. Yeah, and that, that's that's the one thing you must do. That is to do to choose uh, work challenges, sport challenges, whatever challenges it is, companionships, relationships. You have to choose what makes you happy because that brings you in this balance and and on a hormone level actually it works that way that if you do things which makes you really happy then you you live a health healthier life so i have made a lot of choices the last two three years who who could get me in 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 the right uh, in the right direction and i tell about the uh, i tell about that experience of course when i meet kids and and also uh, people as, as such and tell them about that i made terrible choices because i was good at something which I did not really love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, today I choose to do what I love. And funny enough, it often shows that what I really love to do work-wise, I'm also good at. Yeah. <laughs> and that that reminds me very much. And I'm very passionate about it. Uh, so it's it, it it's almost, when you do something which you're really good at, it's almost like you're working with effortless ease. So instead of investing a shitload of energy into the process, the process gives you energy. And that reminds me of being a bobslayer. Because even though it was hard work, I was doing it with almost effortless ease. I know you can relate to that. I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. I I was wondering, when when your project of, of going to the Olympics... You, you, it didn't end up with you going to the Olympics, and I, I think you tried for the next Olympics, and then how, how did that all end, and how did you experience that whole transition out of sports? It ended up the way actually I qualified for the Olympics twice together with the first. The first time it was in the two-man bobsleigh, and the next time it was in the four-man, in the big, in the big four-man bobsleigh, and I'm extremely proud of that. That within eight years we actually managed to to qualify in every other country in the world. Maybe not Holland, but in every other in the Netherlands, maybe in every other country in the world, we would have been sent as proud ambassadors mm-hmm. for uh, for our country. 
But coming from Denmark, <laughs> at that time at least, things did not work that way. At that time, you were only picked for the Olympics if you could prove that you had a medal chance. Yeah. And we were only 20th in the world, and we could not prove by being 20th in the world, which in fact is a great uh, result, Yeah, uh, being 20th in the world. We could not prove that it would be possible for us to go to either uh, Salt Lake or Turin and, and be in the top 10 or, or make a medal. Mm -hmm. Three months are, when we stopped the pro, when we stopped the concept in two, in February 2006 I was so tired I was so tired that I could have slept for three months <laughs> and I could and, and 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 I was struggling with telling I was struggling with telling the story of the eight years at that time I, I couldn't I could up until the day we didn't were picked for the Olympics I could tell the story the day after we were not picked and then we stopped the concept I could not tell the story anymore it was just too painful I think it was three or maybe it was four months later uh, the Danish National Olympic Committee decided to change the the rules for the future so that if you have the international qualification criteria you would be sent so with the, with the, with the rules today I would have been uh, I would have gone to the Olympics twice in my life mm -hmm. and I, 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 I'm not saying that it was due to our uh, our, uh, our uh, project that these rules were were uh, changed but I'm pretty sure that that there were somebody in the Danish Olympic Committee having the feeling that it cannot be that we have probably maybe the one of the best stories in many years we can tell and together with the other winter olympians that they were not they didn't have the rule set to send us mm. and they have changed that now so the so in generations after us if you are qualified for the olympics and internationally you are going to the olympics and i know even if, even if our contribution was just a tiny little one i'm very proud of that um, of that contribution yeah And and I think you have a little bit of a project going of maybe <laughs> making yeah. a future team. There is there is uh, every fourth year I get my five minutes of uh, of, uh, of fame because uh, I'm asked to be a commentary uh, expert comment, uh, expert commentator on the um, uh, how do you say expert on the television. And uh, in this winter I was on uh, on the Danish te television. I was uh, doing. Uh, Uh, the commentary on on uh, on skeleton and bobsleigh, and uh, I decided when we were doing that commentary that um, that in 2026 I, I had this feeling when I was I was I was speaking, uh, I was doing the commentary with so much passion and so much understanding, and I had this feeling I'm I'm seeing so many things now in bobsleigh and skeleton I have never seen before. So I had this feeling now is the time to to make a new decision and I made the decision uh, that we that, that I want to make a project so that Denmark could go, could go with the bobsleigh team in 2026 where the winter olympics will be either in Stockholm or in Milan and when it's in Stockholm it means that the, the bobsleigh will be in in uh, uh, in Sigulda um, which is uh, yeah in Lettland what is Lettland called in English Uh, Latvia, I think. Latvia, thank you, thank you. In <laughs> Latvia, yeah, which would be in Latvia. But if if uh, if Winter Olympics will be held in our in our neighboring country in Sweden, Denmark, of course, has to be there. I mean, that for me, that's obvious. And the old uh, guys from the crew, they have exactly the same feeling. So they have all said, okay, we are helping with whatever we can to, to get a Danish team going there. And even though if it's in uh, if it's in Milan. 
the bobsleigh competition will be in Cortina d'Ampezzo, which is a very, very, very beautiful site. And uh, in uh, so much, uh, so much good story about bobsleighing there. I've tr- driven the track myself, um, even though it's closed now. Uh, I've been doing bobsleighing in Cortina d'Ampezzo, so that that's also a good story. Mm-hmm. And to that comes also that, you know, the stories about uh, uh, children and their their parents. Many children they copy their parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and my son, when he was twin, when he was six years old, he came to me and my wife and said, "When can I do? When can I do uh, bobsleighing?" And we said, "When you're 16." <laughs> and uh, we thought that he would then uh, forget it, of course. But he did not forget. So uh, a year ago, he came to us and say, "Have you seen that in 20 in January 2020 there are youth Olympic Games in Switzerland? I would like to go there." And then Hannah and I, we were looking at each other and said, "How am I? What are we doing now?" Because if we say no, you cannot go there. If we push that way, his willpower will be even bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were having a very uh, thorough discussion on that, and we decided then to, to support him. Uh, he, he at that time he thought he should go then in, in the monobob, in, which is a newly developed concept for for, for the youngsters in, in bobsleigh. But it has uh, it has shown that out of logistical situation and and funding and stuff like that, that uh, his his we, he will have to go in the skeleton. Right. So uh, so now Denmark has actually now joined the international skeleton community, and uh, a couple of weeks ago he made his first uh, appearance in a, in the competition. Uh, and he won. There were two co- competitors, but he won. But just to to manage to survive skeleton in an is an ice channel is such a huge performance itself that I I really I, I I'm really impressed by his ability to work disciplined and and focused and to do that. So now we have we have promised him to help him to the to the Youth Olympic Games in January 2020 and what comes after that. We have we we're not thinking about that. We don't have an idea, any ideas about that because actually he is not a skeleton athlete. He is a decathlete. He's a track and field <laughs> athlete. He is doing decathlon, but he has a capability also to do a great job in 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 uh, in the ice channel. And funny enough, when I visit potential sponsors and I'm talking about the decathlon, yeah, okay, what is that and uh, blah 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 blah. But but when I'm talking about the life in the ice channel. People's ears they go, they 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 grow ten times as big as when we are talking about uh, at the athlete in track and field. Mm-hmm. So again, it has proven that that doing a sports concept which everybody cannot relate to is actually just an enormous great story. Yeah. So 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 now we develop a new, we transform the storytelling from previous project now into story selling. So a whole commercial process now is built upon uh, story selling. So we, we lay out the possibilities to work together with us. But instead of uh, like I did when I was a sales rep, so now are you going to help write down the on the order here? We lay out uh, opportunities for as many people as possible and they must do the shark bite themselves. I want them to buy instead of us to sell. And that's a totally extremely big mind shift for a for a former sales rep uh, like I have been it in my life. But that's kind of the modern way of selling, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes it is. I know that. But mm. but still don't forget I've uh, I've I ran this way around in the circus arena for for 30 years of selling life <laughs> and this is the other way around. 
so it, it's not easy for me. Yeah. yeah. So it's not it's it's much easier for me to write a link LinkedIn post saying, "Hey, I need you. You need to buy some sponsorships." Then, yeah. in, in instead of just good doing content marketing and said blah 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 blah, blah yeah. you know. So it's it's more easy for me to still to do this way around in the circus mm-hmm. arena. But I will. It's a good process for me as well. And and then I guess it's about finding that value proposition, and and yours is the story and not necessarily the medal or the uh, the result. Our, our, ours is 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 now to do something which nobody else does. We have we can proudly say that we have the smallest uh, national team in Denmark because there's only one athlete. And you have experienced that situations uh, yourself, yes. being the, being just one. <laughs> and I think that that is just a great story if you can frame it right. If you can say, "I value that there are a lot of people who wants to go in one direction." Mm-hmm. It's very important for our country, but it's also important for our country that there is just one out of hundred, or even maybe thousand, who wants to go in the other direction. The question is, from whom can the Danish companies learn the most? Mm-hmm. The 99 going in one direction, or the one who dares to go in the other one. I know, I know the answer to that. Yeah. But I also, I also know that it takes a top-level decision to to sponsor a juvenile of 16 years of age who is uh, who is supported by his parents uh, because else he cannot do it. Yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 I know the decision making is not easy, and most probably we will face a situation. We have now 10, 12 sponsors now, and we need 20. Most probably, it, we we will end up with a sponsor portfolio, most probably, of almost only entrepreneurs. Or, or sponsorship decisions take on a top management level, because it's too risky taking such a, such a decision if you are, let's say, just a marketing manager who has to have assigned every decision yeah yeah so this is but it's also about re- your story being relatable and it's much more relatable to an entrepreneur that yes because yeah. you, you yeah. he's an entrepreneurial athlete <laughs> yeah he is yeah. and and uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so he, he he will have lots of lessons and inspiration to give to an entrepreneur that yeah might not they might, might fall flat in in a big corporation Exactly. They, so they, they is, might not even understand that journey that he's on. <laughs> no, 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 he doesn't. And and that's why he can only do it because we have chosen to, to support him in this way. He knows that. We know that. This can this cannot be. We have no federation. We are the federation ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but 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 as to the fact that we are in, I think, third or fourth generation in our family, in both sides of the family, we are entrepreneurs. So this is this is being entrepreneurs. Sounds sounds stupid, yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah. that's that that's <laughs> that's working with effortless ease for us. Yeah. yeah, understanding that we cannot define the future, we cannot control the future. Everything about the future is insecure. Is something which motivates us and gives us a lot of energy instead of the opposite. Yeah. So so it's 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 just finding together with the people who can re- relate. To that, this is a normal way of thinking for us, yeah. Mm-hmm. And but of course, problem is it take that that means we need some space, yeah, because we we think in a different way and 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 not and not in every environment is is uh, capable of of uh, including uh, people with an entrepreneurial mindset. Mm-hmm. So we have to we have to we have to find the people around us 
who can support us and, and with whom we can work together with this. And there we can feel that new wins, uh, the new wins in, in Danish sport environment, because we can feel there is much more openness in Danish elite sports towards new sport concepts. Yeah. So creativity, trying something new, which has not done before, is, is looked at with a different, different uh, openness Uh, like uh, in, uh, as in for 10 or 15 years ago. So that motivates me a lot yeah. because I'm, we don't want to do this only for ourselves. Of course, we hope that after, after my son, there will be other generations of skeleton drivers. And, and we, we would like to really found a federation which can live happily for 100 years and create value for um, four or five generations to come. That's, that's, of course, our ambition. Wow. Well, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's very inspiring. Very inspiring. Thank you, Anya. <laughs> okay, so we've, we've come covered quite a bit of terrain here. <laughs> from yeah. Talking about anxiety, your personal experience with that. Or, uh, yeah, this whole entrepreneurial journey, both for you and for your son, as I understand it. I um, and and the whole story selling concept. So I don't know. Is there anything you would like? to uh, say, to, you know pretty much who, is, who are the type of listeners uh, that would be listening to Athlete Story, uh, and, or is there anyone you would like to see on the show? Oh, that is a very good question. <laughs> um, I don't know if you have had any of the, uh, of the speed skating guys, the Danish speed skating guys, but uh, actually the one uh, Jesper Dyrby Carlson who was the the national coach of this uh, of the of the speed, Danish speed skating guys I, I, I he's been traveling around the world now for the last 12 months and I just I I think I know that he he came back now to Europe I would I'm very uh, curious about his story how much how much risk willing capital did they actually start with was it also zero kroners uh, zero dollars as we started Or was there some funding to start with, uh, and and how will the how will the future uh, be for the Danish speed skaters, uh, or a similar concept from around the world? I'm I'm I can I can be inspired by many different uh, like people. The, I can tell you the pioneering stories. Yeah, the pioneering stories, the, the startups, the start of the startup stories of elite sport. Oh, because that's a that, nice that's, word. Yeah, that's yeah. that's That's where, where I can be inspired and, and, and move uh, to next level because right now I'm sitting here and almost doing a full-time job besi beside my full-time job yeah, because I'm founding a federation. Yeah. Uh, and, and there must be somebody who has found some shortcuts. Every football club has found some rich guy who with a lot of money, who, who invests a lot of money. I don't know how to find that extremely rich guy who's willing just to to lay down one uh, one million uh, euros or something like that so i i believe in that i have to build up a business which, which can create value to be able to 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 uh, have enough uh, money to to do the the sport yeah yeah nice so that's the guy that's the type of guys <laughs> i need to get in contact with okay uh, and they can they can they can for sure find me on linkedin Uh, under my name so then they can get in contact with me uh, easily okay so I, I can invite other other listeners to to connect with you on LinkedIn then you can do that I would be more than grateful for that 
Okay. And of course, and I'm very grateful for you to have the opportunity to share my experiences and, and, and you having facilita facilitated the dialogue also gives me uh, a new inspiration on how to, uh, how to, I tell the story today differently than I did four, year, four years ago or eight years or 12 years ago. So I, because I grow older, I get more experience as a human being. I have tried more things. I also reflect upon my own experience differently. And that such a scenario, such a uh, opportunity like this gives new reflections. Which I'm and every time you share it, you get new input as well, like that little exactly. girl telling it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So exactly. guys, get out there, share your story. <laughs> you don't know in what way you might touch one person. And if you just touch one person, you've made a difference, right? That's correct. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Athlete Story. You are awesome. If you are yourself a world-class athlete or former, don't hesitate to come over on athletestory.com and check out more free stuff and resources to help you thrive in and benefit from your sports career. Dare to prepare. Then get yourself out there. Stay in touch.